So while I was in the theater for Birds of Prey and I was watching the previews, this movie came on and it's the new Saw movie and I was completely blindsided by it because I thought it was going to be a cop a cop movie with Chris Rock and then there's Samuel L. Jackson. I thought he was the bad guy for a moment. It felt like it felt like that movie Seven for a moment. Yeah, and then it's like yeah. spiral. And there's a, you see the what is it? That's the the chain not a chainsaw. It's just like a normal like it's not a table saw. Kinda like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just that, that scene reminis- reminiscent of the first Saw movie. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so now, do you think he's actually going to have to cut off his own leg? Um, I think he's going to have to cut off somebody part. I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> um, but I was really, for a moment, I was kind of interested because of the color palette they used for the movie is like a yellow, orange kind of tint. I was like, this is going to feel like a 90s cop movie. And I was curious as why this was coming out and then when it came to that saw thing i was a little bit more curious about what they're planning to do as far as story element and how this is going to tie into the rest of the franchise because i'm i'm not a big saw fan john what about you i know and you're not really a big fan of scary movies in general i mean i've known this is gonna this has been in the works for a while now when I think like last year, Chris Rock said he was working on a, on a new entry in the Saw franchise, and it's it's not really a sequel, but I think it just pays homage to the original movies. Um, I don't know, man. Like I'm I'm curious. I mean, we have a pretty good uh, track record so far of these comedians coming over and taking on really dramatic roles in a great way. Um, Bill Hader's a great example. Jordan Peele. Um, Adam Sandler. You have all the, yeah, Adam Sandler. I mean, like he's been kind of hit or miss over the years, but uh, Uncut Gems was phenomenal from everything that I've seen. Um, I think he's really hitting a stride again. So I, I think that if anything else, if nothing else, at least it warrants uh, the public's trust. Now, I mean, like Chris Rock, I, th- I think he's been a character actor for so long that it's going to be really hard for me personally to, to kind of take. I don't know, like the old Chris Rock out of how I see that. I mean, when you hear Chris Rock, you know exactly pretty much what you're what you're getting. And you know his voice. Uh, you know what kind of characters that he's played in the past. He's been really consistent with that. Um, but it sounds like this is a big passion project for him. And that he has... It sounds like he's got some pretty unique ideas to bring to the table. Yeah, it it looks like he is passionate, and his acting, like from what I saw from the trailer, was pretty good. Like I wasn't really disappointed or taken out of the scenes. Like that's not Chris Rock. Um, now, if it was Eddie Murphy, I would totally be taken out because I'd be like, "Yo, it's Mushu. What's he doing in this movie?" <laughs> or along the lines of like, "What is Donkey doing on the streets of, of uh, New York?" Um, but you know, I think I think Chris Rock. I think Chris Rock can have a resurgence. Uh, with this movie as far as Greer uh and I'm curious I, I want to know what Samuel Jackson's part in this movie is I want to see like what what role did they give him to evolve rather than the guy who's screaming in the background you know you know mother bleeper all the time 
Yeah, I mean, you don't get Sam Jackson without having some kind of depth to whatever he's playing. I mean, he's not really one just to come in and and do a cameo real quick. (laughs) It's Nick Fury. Oh my gosh, it's part of the Avengers. And now you have to take out your eye. Oh my gosh. Oh wait, well, he already lost his eye in canon. Dang it. Marvel, you could have, you could have really, you could have really stuck the landing if you didn't release Captain Marvel. I like to see what crazy hijinks they make Sam Sam Adam uh, Sam Adams. I just I just saw the Dave Chappelle Adams. sketch where he's like, "It's my beer, Samuel oh Jackson's." <laughs> yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn. And welcome to the Summon Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I am joined by my good friend John, and I am Chris, and we are your co-hosts for the day. John, how you doing? Probably about as well as Sam Jackson. How are you doing? <laughs> they ate me! Oh, shark ate me! Love that. <laughs> I, I could quote everything from that sketch. It's so good. Oh, uh, so good. And Dave Chappelle's still killing it. Just maybe not in sketch comedy. But uh, speaking of killing it, we're going to go to the kill switch of our first story, which is Star Wars, The Duel of Fates. Now, John, we talked about this story story earlier this year, didn't we? Yeah, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit. Yeah, I, I can't believe this movie didn't get made. It's Colin Trevorrow's original script that they passed on to give to J.J. Abrams, and it leaked... And it looks so good. Yeah, it does. And, you know, given what we talked about before, we didn't have the full script. We had parts of the script that had leaked, you know. But now we have the full script. Uh, there's dialogue in it. There's, um, you know, narration of, you know, what the scene is supposed to look like. Uh, and, yeah, we're just going to give our thoughts on that because uh, from... Both you and I were reading this kind of like astounded. This is the movie I wish had been made over the rise of the or rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I, I I agree. It should have been made. You know the thing the thing about so for this script for me, well, we were both reading it at the same time, kind of gushing over some things together. <laughs> that uh, for me, number one, this screams deep lore, and it goes back to the locked battle between good versus evil. Uh, which has marked this saga overall. And with the sequel trilogy, we kind of went away from that. And in some parts, it became too campy and kind of misguided and making no sense from a strategic and tactical point of view and no calculated risks or risks taken without calculation because it's the only option you have, like Mm -hmm. you see in the original uh, trilogy. So... Later on, I understand why this script wasn't chosen, but for an overall fan of the franchise, you know, it does make no, almost no sense why some version of this never made it onto the screen. Yeah, it definitely feels like they Disneyfied it for The Rise of Skywalker. And I mean, like, I don't want to keep hating on Kathleen Kennedy, but I'm sure that she had some pretty significant say in this not passing. And then she probably knew where J.J. had wanted to go and that he would be more a little bit more agreeable to her original script. Um, 
or at least her original ideas for the direction. So I, I don't know, man, like I wish they would just take more risks and I hope they do down the road. Uh, but it's just, there's so many, yeah, like you said, like callbacks. Um, it just felt like a more natural progression from where they set it up originally. And even through the rise of Skywalker, or sorry, not the rise, uh, the last Jedi, it, it, it just felt like this is the ending that we deserved, uh, and not the yeah. one that we got. Yeah, totally. Like this, this script was something for the older crowd, not kids, which I could see, which makes sense why Disney didn't choose it. But it's one of those things where it's, you talk, we talk about the what if and the uncertainty. Uh, and in some realm, Disney should have made this movie. I think it would have been better for their box office. But going through some of the features that were super cool, for me, these are my favorite things about the story. Um, number one, Ray gets a double-bladed lightsaber that's blue. Yes. So in canon, in, in canon, like uh, some of those things have been modified a little bit uh, throughout the Star Wars uh, books and stuff. And this would be really cool to see on the big screen because we've only seen this in like video games and other deep lore books. Uh, nothing on the big screen, on, nothing in the movies, nothing in really the we've seen in the TV shows actually in the Clone War series. Yes. One of the Jedi Masters who kills a bunch of clones has a double-bladed blue lightsaber, which is cool. So we do see that. Uh, Kylo Ren kills a different, uh, another Sith Lord, which was Tor Valum, I believe. Mm -hmm. I might be saying that wrong. And it helps perpetuate the idea that Kylo Ren is not only diving into the dark side, he's diving into being a Sith, which is so much cooler. See, he doesn't need redemption. He doesn't need redemption is right, which is actually one of the uncool things I did not like in this movie where they do not fully redeem him, but he does stop himself from killing Rey at the end because Leia does interfere. I thought it would have been better if uh, Force Ghost had interfered more than what should they actually... uh, Luke does interfere a little bit as a ghost, which was very cool. I did Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Kylo uh, goes to Vader's castle on Mustafar, Mustafar, which is nice. Call back to that, making more of an emphasis on Vader. Rey gets blinded while fighting Kylo, which no plot armor. That's very nice. And she also fights him. Like when she's fighting him, she's just letting the will of the force. And she actually uh, keeps up with him very well, which is great. And uh, you have one on here that I love. If you explain a little bit more about Finn giving a really cool role in this movie. Yeah, so so I we we kind of talked about this and the things that we wish we had seen uh from the Rise of Skywalker, but one of one of the major things I've been looking for from the beginning of this introduction of this rebellious stormtrooper is uh Finn is on a mission with Rose, I believe. And he encounters another stormtrooper uh, that he eventually turns to the rebellion, and then he leads a charge to, against the the first order with all of these other uh, rebellious stormtroopers that are turned have turned against the first order. So, I mean, me personally, I've been waiting for this from since the first movie because this is something we haven't seen before, of uh, more of like a, a human side behind the stormtrooper. Uh, at least since the Clone Wars, but those were those were clo- clones, not necessarily uh, people that had been brainwashed to fight for the First Order. 
Um, so to see him take this leadership role and really step into his own as um, not just not just another member of the resistance, but somebody who can contribute and has a unique backstory, um, I, that was just so satisfying to finally see him step into that. And I wish we could have seen more of that on screen. We did, we did see a little bit on Rise of Skywalker, uh, but it kind of felt like he wasn't leading it as much. Uh, and in this, it feels like he is the commander in this Yeah, like sort what we got sense. felt like the first draft of what it should have been. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely agree. And it, it the, and these, these soldiers turn away, unlike the ones in The Rise of Skywalker, where they turned away in their own, in their own glimpse, uh, off screen, which totally makes sense because the movie should have been longer and that would have added way a lot to it in runtime, but uh, we digress. Um some other things that I thought were really cool. This is probably my favorite thing that they had shown in the leaks is that Ray admits that she has rage, she feels love, and she will learn from from where previous masters had failed. And she said she she is the dark and she is the light as she's fighting uh, Kylo Ren. And I was like, yes! As you described it, it's finally balanced. Yeah, that's... I mean, we've been we've been given this idea of balance to the force since the original trilogy. And uh, like George Lucas kept putting an emphasis on it with Anakin supposedly bringing balance, but we never really get uh, where, where both sides are leveled out and they're both equal and they're both used and have value. It's always Jedi are going to crush the Sith or the Sith are going to crush the Jedi and nobody has ever really talked about the idea of both working together until Rey. And, I mean, even in The Rise of Skywalker, she, like in The Last Jedi, she talks about bringing balance or throwing out the old and leaving the Jedi and, and leaving the Sith and everything. Um, so to finally see her see that all come to fruition is just really satisfying. And I want I, I, I to keep saying it, but I wish, I wish that was some, like a risk that they were willing to take on screen by saying yes this is where we're going this is where it's all been leading to of the dark and the light working together to create the balance yeah but yeah it, having the balance there is a little bit of an arc of that in the clone war series with the the father the son and the daughter which was a very yes. interesting arc uh that i uh obviously of recent had watched and really kind of enjoyed because it was more of a mystical element to the Star Wars lore that I wasn't expecting. But at first, I was like, this is kind of dumb. And then I was like, yes, I like this very much because it showed Anakin's place in it all, which was very refreshing. Yeah, I mean, if he's the chosen one, then he should have a significant role to play in bringing balance and not just be fought over between the Jedi and the, and the Sith. He should be able to stand up. And say no, this is what we're going to do. If he's going, if he's the one that's going to bring balance, yeah. And then he messes it all up at the end. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, there were some things that I didn't like, like the sexual tension between Poe and Ray that's supposed to be there. Eventually, they do like a kiss, but it's not supposed to be super significant. It's just kind of supposed to be hesitant. Uh, Chewie's kicked off the Falcon to fly an X-wing. Uh, Poe, you can jump off a big cliff because of that, you know, because Poe apparently kicks him off to go into an X-Wing. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I already mentioned this a little bit, that Kylo is saved by Leia again. I'd rather him not be saved, 
even though this is in a small capacity. And then C-3PO kills another droid. I don't understand that C-3PO is programmed not to do anything like that. He's a protocol droid. So I kind of dislike that choice. This movie is better. It does still have its flaws compared to Rise of Skywalker, but... I mean, those are just some of my thoughts. Uh, you know, what do you, John? You have some really cool things that you wrote down that I did not get to. Yeah. So, I mean, the movie opens where the rebellion has been crushed, and the First Order has taken over Coruscant as its home base, and basically as a show of force, uh, they have daily executions with uh, with a lightsaber gu- guillotine. Very dark. Which, very dark. Uh, fairy French Revolution, super super crazy, um, but really, I feel like it would have been the na- next natural progression because they were an enormous force that a tiny little rebellion really w- shouldn't have been able to take on. Uh, so I agree. I, yeah, the next th- so the next thing was uh, Kylo Ren finds this Sith holocron that was meant for Vader, and uh, Palpatine had left it for him in case Vader had been able to turn Luke to the dark side. Um, it gave him the directions to go find Torvalum, uh, to get training. And when the Sith Holocron realizes that it's not Vader by scanning him, it explodes and sends this force lightning out into Kylo's face that disfigures him, uh, where he has to fuse, uh, the Mandalorian Beskar armor to his face and basically creates another mask, which again, super metal super no pun intended super hardcore um it just i don't know man i'm gonna i'm gonna move on before i keep repeating myself um (laughs) it this movie keeps uh reinforcing that the first order always has the upper hand um and i it's it's really refreshing to see the good guys lose every once in a while yes it is obviously obviously they're gonna win in the end and we know that but to see them uh try and take risks and not have it work out. I mean, you mentioned uh, Ray fight Kylo Ren uh, as, when she was blinded, and you see her, uh, according to the script, like you see her basically revive herself through sheer willpower, uh, put a uh, like a bandana around her eyes so she can't like basically just covers it up, and then like you said, use the will of the Force to guide her moves and to fight Kylo Ren like that. But at the end of that battle, Kylo still beats her. She still loses. And it's not until later that Rey is able to be victorious. Um, and it's just so, re- oh, man, it's just so validating and refreshing to see somebody try and try and try and still not be able to make it. And just, I don't know, just so much more better give and take through the whole series. Um I'm gonna try and stop repeating myself here. No, it's fine. But because <laughs> this movie has this movie has ups and downs that are tempered to what you're feeling. Yeah. Whereas I when I remember with Rise of Skywalker, it's just I'm always I'm on the roller coaster, and it's not like I'm getting big highs and big lows or anything like that. It's kind of like I'm going five feet up, five feet down a lot. And then towards the end, it's a little bit more of a hill and then back down. It, just, it feels very mild, whereas this script has me kind of on the edge of my seat, kind of just reading through it. Yeah. Um, the, the, the choices that are made are very daring. And because of that, it feels refreshing to the sequel trilogy. Absolutely. I mean, granted, 
this this script was written before uh, the Last Jedi, before Carrie Fisher had passed, so she was pretty heavily involved in this script, and that would have had to be in, had to have been rewritten a bit. Um, so I, I think in that sense it would have been toned down, and maybe uh, her role may have been reworked, maybe even to Poe a little bit more, like he did in the in the Rise of Skywalker. Um, but even with that, there are real stakes main characters are killed uh the or at least severely disfigured um so you really feel like there's no real plot armor like anybody could really die at any moment um and really with the rise of skywalker there were so many deaths and major changes to the characters that were teased and then just completely uh completely done away with um <laughs> like c3po had his whole memory wiped so that he could be an asset to the rebellion, and then they just put it back in, and everything's fine. Um, Chewie is is teased to be dead, and then he shows up in the next scene. You never really feel like there's any character arcs. Like there's never any emotion with the characters from a from an emotional standpoint. Um, but with this script, it feels like like the characters grow, like things actually happen. Um, and it, I feel like it would have left the trilogy and really these past nine films off in a much more satisfying place, uh, still leaving them open to new adventures. I mean, Kyle or Ray at the very end is training a new generation of, of uh, Force-sensitive children, and uh, she's training them with both things from the light and the dark side. Broomsticks Again, included. Yeah, broomstick kid included. And again, it just reinforces that she is actually bringing balance, and it it that I feel like would have tied off the whole series with a bow and just in a really well done and satisfying way. Yeah, I'd, I'd very much agree. But I also, being the corporate man that I am, um, I also see why why Disney chose this route, and whether it be Kathleen Kennedy or if it's Bob Iger or whatever it is that they chose to just. To stay away from this it doesn't grab the younger i don't think a movie like uh duel of the fates grabs a younger audience i think it grabs like a teenage audience i think it grabs like us especially us being seeing the whole entire series but you know when it comes to kids you know parents who have kids who have to spend liquidity on kids legos and all that stuff you know the better investment is to go with it seems like the better investment is to go with rise of skywalker um, I think a lot of markets underestimate, you know, the buying power of people like you and me who don't have kids, are adults, but, you know, we can spend money on things, you know, we could spend money on Star Wars stuff. We don't have to have kids. Yeah, we might not buy your Lego set or the Barbie Darth Vader mask for my child, but, you know, we might buy something else that's really cool. Okay, well, so to kind of... Go, I don't know. So here's my th- here's my take on all that. So from a merchandising standpoint, um, in the Rise of Skywalker, you really don't have any new lightsabers, any new um, like cosplay even ideas. It's all repetitive from the first two movies. But with this, we get the double bladed blue lightsaber. Um, I'm, I believe that Ray gets another lightsaber at the end of the movie. We, um, we get the Hux. Beskar the Beskar helmet that's attached exactly. to. Or the best armor that attaches to Kylo. 
yeah, uh, Hux is shown to have a purple lightsaber in his collection, which is alluded to be Mace Windu's. Um, so you have all these new opportunities for those types of products. And then from from like a buy-in standpoint and an audience perspective, I get pandering to a younger audience with The Force Awakens, because there you're trying to reignite the passion in a new generation. Um, but by, by this movie, and it's the same way with Endgame and Infinity War, if you aren't on the train by this point, it's not for you. This is supposed to be a payoff for people who have been invested from the beginning or from years ago. So for me, at least, um, it really shouldn't have been a matter or a consideration to think about kids. And I get that George Lucas has always said that this is a a series for kids. Um, But for me, as a fan, and like my my dad's a fan, uh, there's multiple generations of people that are invested in this franchise. And it really should be about... um, like the positive kind of fan service for them. And I feel like the, the duel of the fates accomplished that more than I don't want to say like a money grab safe bet that the rise of Skywalker was, um, rise of Skywalker was definitely a safe was monetarily, at least the safe bet because you had a big name director. You had a lot of things that really didn't put the franchise in like any kind of risk or um, at least from a marketing perspective, people were still excited because it looked good. Um, obviously, the, the final product wasn't the same as what I feel like was it was marketed as. Um, but I don't know, man. Like I, I think I, again, I think it would have just been a better and a more satisfying end for everyone that's been invested up until this point. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and it, it, once again, it's not it's marketed for kids. And it's actually marketed for very casual moviegoers because I think everyone who I've talked to who aren't like hardcore Star Wars fans is just like, oh, I, I, I see Star Wars movies when they come out, but they don't watch like the Clone Wars. They don't watch, they don't play any of the games. They don't know any of this extra stuff. Um, yeah. It's kind of like one of those things that they're just kind of like, oh, I loved Rise of Skywalker. It was so cool. The set pieces, blah, blah, blah. While the rest of us are like, there are so many more cooler things they could have done. <laughs> like, you know, somebody on screen sees the Darksaber like, wow, that's a really cool Darks like looking lightsaber. While the rest of us are like geeking out like, it's the Darksaber. Uh, you know, someone else might not know what it is, but they still at least think it looks cool. Uh, so, you know, I... I you know, we very much agree. It would have been, it would have been a better payoff to the whole series, but they went for the kids instead. Yep, damn kids. Yeah, they did. So, so <laughs> you wanna you wanna bring us up to this next this next story, which I think is very fascinating that we've never done on this show. Yeah. So throughout the past week, I feel like there have been a lot of little things that have happened. Um, but when we were trying to put the script together for this there weren't that many like major stories besides obviously the duel of the fates that we could really decide on. So what we're going to do is just give some rapid fire thoughts on some of these smaller stories that have popped up throughout the week. Um, we're not really going to commit a lot of time to it, no more than like a minute each to give our thoughts on these things, but I'm just going to list out, uh, seven different things here. I want to get your thoughts. I'm going to give my thoughts. We're going to move on. And that's going to be it. Um, so first up, I'm going to get a handy dandy little uh, stopwatch out. 
because we're oh, really going to push Official. our way through this. Yeah, we're going to Olympic our way through this. Uh, it's a sprint. So, first topic up, uh, the No Time to Die theme song came out from Billie Eilish. Go. So, I thought it was ominous and it seemed more personal for James Bond series. I really liked it compared to Sam Smith's uh, Spectre. I thought that song was terrible. And it felt it it, it felt like um, Billy Eilish, Billie Eilish captured the idea that James Bond's heart has been ripped apart and that he's uh, he's trying to cope with coming back even though he's just kind of given up. There's a lot of great things. There's a lot of great musical aspects about this. I can hear I can hear, you know, just the uh, just the way her voice is set up, it just feels so strained and tense, but in a way that she's just trying to break free. So I thought this is great. I, I, I'm i really looking forward to where this movie goes, especially with the setup of this song. I know I've got only five seconds left, but uh, it gets a thumbs up from me. How about you, John? Ooh, nice. Two seconds under a minute. All right, so um, I'm going to reset and go. Um, so you can definitely tell this this is a Billie Eilish song, and I want to first start off by saying I wish that she would do an album of just Halloween songs. I feel like that would be perfect. Um, but going back to Sam, Sam Smith's Spectre, which I can't say five times fast, uh, he said in, in an interview once that he wrote that song in about 15 minutes, and you can tell. Um, so this is definitely a big improvement from that. It, I feel like, is going to set up a much darker, emotional type of story. And it seems like she's been working with the director uh, as far as like what kind of tone they want for the film. And she's just said recently that Daniel Craig actually has to sign off on the song before it's official. So James mm. Bond actually has to approve this, which I think is pretty cool. Um, that everybody's going to get on the same page. It's all like one unified vision for an emotional kind of story that they're trying to tell five seconds. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's it's interesting and uh, that's cool. So next story, um, thoughts on the Birds of Prey bombing at the box office. Go, Chris. Okay, so for one, the title, they did change the title from the Birds of Prey, the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Uh, they changed it to uh, Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn, or Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. I forget if it's vice versa. Uh, that tells you a lot about where they tried to aim this. Uh, I saw this movie, and I could see why it's not uh, getting out in the word of mouth fast enough. I liked the movie. I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was great. It was just a movie that had really, really, really good action scenes. The cinematography was great for that reason. Uh, there were a lot of great set pieces. There were a lot of visceral things. Uh, acting was actually superb. All the all the people acted really, really well. It just felt kind of short. And I'm kind of sad to see that DC still doesn't have a major blockbuster under their belt for a movie because this was a good movie. But this wasn't like... This wasn't like Guardian Galaxy. I've got five seconds. Guardians of the Galaxy dropping big. Nope, that's your minute. All right, so my thoughts. Uh, So I think that DC has kind of overestimated the value of Harley Quinn. Um, I think that she was a standout character in Suicide Squad, but I think that she's gotten a lot of hype because it's more of a unique take on the character. And Margot Robbie, I think, does a great job acting uh, in her own right. Um, But I don't know that there was enough pull to bring... um, people that hadn't already been invested in DC into this movie. There's a lot of B-list character, like B-list characters from the comics in this. 
um, which I don't think a lot of general public or a lot of the general public is is uh, like aware of and invested in. I was really excited to see Black Mask, um, but I I think it's a shame that it, it's not doing that well because it really seems like they're trying to be uh, creative and unique in the different tones for these movies uh, and giving them their own individual voices. And I wish that that would be rewarded more. Um, I'm going to see the last two seconds of my time. So the next topic is uh, our reaction to Pattinson's screen test and his new bat suit for his upcoming movie, Go Chris. Yeah, so Black Mask was really good in uh, Birds of Prey. It was amazing to see Ewan McGregor act. Um, and still on the previous topic, but I'm putting it into my time here because my, my thoughts on Robert Pattinson, great chin, bad symbol on the chest, looks kind of cool. I know there are a lot of theories online. Overall, my first impressions, very positive. Now, back to Black Mask. Ewan <laughs> McGregor is amazing. Uh, he does a great job showing a psychotic moment uh, in the movie. I won't spoil it. Uh, the Like I said, all the girls do really well in their... Uh, all the actors, actresses do a fantastic job. It's just the writing that kind of falls flat for this movie. And it, it's, it, it doesn't make it worse. It just doesn't make it stand out. And so Birds of Prey... Better than Suicide Squad? I say it's a top four uh, DC movie, and I'm looking forward to them actually getting a great character in the DC film take that step. Uh, that's where I'll end. All right, we're going to just let it marinate for two seconds. Mm. All right, cool. So next topic. Well, no, sorry, mine. Go. All right, so my thoughts on the Pattinson screen test. Uh, so there's a theory going around that the mechanical bat symbol on the front of his chest is made from the gun that killed his parents that if that is true that's super dark super interesting and a and a new kind of element to this character um and at this point with so many different iterations of bruce wayne and batman that are out there in live action especially it's getting hard to really make each iteration of it stand out in its own without getting really repetitive so it seems like they've got some great ideas for how to make it more unique um, which gets me really excited about it and i can't wait to see kind of how they get the rest of the characters their own unique take um, and it makes me trust the director and the vision for the for the direction of this film um, so i'm very excited and i can't wait to see an actual trailer um, and so the next topic we have indiana jones is going to start filming the next couple months says harrison ford i believe it's indiana jones 5 go chris okay so uh harrison ford uh is keeps on making movies he's like 100 years old i don't expect this to keep on going he made call of the wild with some random dog that doesn't even look like it's from alaska togo is a better movie with willem dafoe uh i love the indiana jones trilogy but i just want them to stop stop with this please 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 unless you're gonna have me onto the project in which i'll write you a better script please don't touch touch uh this stay away make it f go into production hell uh also don't touch back to the future but hollywood if you are listening i just so desperately want you to continue with the wild wild west extended universe put <laughs> wild wild west in your sequel scopes make another wild wild west will smith is trying to come back he's trying he's failing but that's he's trying that's where i'll end cool all right so five seconds to go um my thoughts so look no one asked for this i don't think anybody wants this really i don't think harrison ford even wants this he didn't want to be in the last jedi or in the uh rise of skywalker i think he just wants to do 
what he wants. I, I don't even think that Call of the Wild was an actual movie. I think it was just them filming him in, a, in an abandoned house somewhere and a dog came up. Um, I just want to leave him alone. Let him be a grumpy old man who occasionally makes some random movies for kids that go straight to DVD or Disney Plus. I don't care. Um, it, they tried to redo it once with Shia LaBeouf and it didn't work. It's not going to work now. Shia LaBeouf can't save it. Just don't do it. Please. Just don't. 10 seconds, I'm going to seed. All right, so next story. Rick Moranis is back for the new Honey, I Shrunk the Kids sequel with Josh Gad as his son. Chris, go. Okay, so I loved the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movies growing up. I loved Rick Moranis. Him, he was always such a goofy person. He was in uh, also... Uh, the Giants movie, the Little Giants movie, loved him in that. Uh, he's very lovable person. He gave up acting uh, to spend two decades of his life uh, raising his kids, which I think is endearing. Uh, but you know him as Dark Helmet, also very very good in the Spaceballs movie. So going back to Black Mask, I think Black Mask, the way he's dressed, could be really good in setting up into, wait for it, a Wild Wild West movie set in modern day, because the way he's dressed, and Will Smith also being that kind of punkish vibe with that leather in that movie, it can coincide. I think, DC, you're missing out on the Wild Wild West extended universe throwing into the DC universe, also helping out Harley Quinn and her uh, quest to be relevant. John, I defer to you. Yes, all right, some great thoughts there, Chris. So the next, oh, sorry, uh, my time. Okay, I can't keep track of everything. Uh, so Rick Moranis, <laughs> tell me about Rick Moranis. Rick what do you Moranis. think about him and, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids sequel with Josh Gad? So I think it has a lot of potential. I really hope they do this right. And I think that with Mar- with Rick, oh my God, Moranis. Moranis? With Moranis, uh, at, in the stage of his life where he is, I don't think he had to come back to do this. I think that they would have drawn him back with a good script and with a good direction and story. Um, Josh Gad can occasionally be funny, so I'm pretty excited about that, I guess. Um, but I hope they're not just pandering for nostalgia and actually want to do this right. And honestly, I hope they don't set it up for sequels. I hope they just have a good story. They want to tell it and let it be. And I want to see my time. So next story. The Sonic director has thanked fans for the film having a great big opening. Chris? Okay, so just like what the fans, uh, the fans would like to quote, and me as being a fan, the fans would like to quote something from The Little Giant starring Rick Moranis. You rang. That's the little fat kid in the movie. He says that when they're calling him up for a play. Anyways, so uh, I I think this is great. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog is getting good reviews. It's definitely hitting well with kids in the movie market uh a lot of parents i've seen online i say hey if you got kids bring this movie or bring them to this movie which is great you know that's the word of mouth that you know birds of prey could use but it's not a kid's movie the point is that it's getting good word of mouth which is more important sometimes than the rotten tomato score so i'm very happy overall with what is going on with the sonic director now sonic down the line what i want to see is you use the rings to wait for it get into a wild wild west uh, type of movie use the ring to go to the next dimension capture will smith help him out fight uh black mask or add black mask to the crew something like that steampunk it makes sense time. all right these so are- okay. chris i gotta give my thoughts here uh my time's going so 
I, I think this is rewarding the fans for the changes that they asked for. I think, honestly, it's the best way this whole thing could have turned out. I think fans spoke their mind. They were very passionate. The studio listened, and the fans were rewarded and came out in droves to reward uh, the movie for the work that it had done for them. Chris, I'm ceding the rest of my time to give you more time to talk about Black Mask and the uh, Wild Wild West spinoff. Okay, so the Black Mask Wild Wild West spinoff with Sonic. The point is that Sonic uses the rings to get to the interdimensional, the Wild Wild West, then takes him to Blast Mask. They gotta defeat Blast Black Mask. Why am I saying Blask? <laughs> Black Mask. He's such a great villain in this movie. Oh, Birds of Prey. Ewan McGregor kills it as a villain. Finally, we see him in this role. He's amazing. I know he's done a little bit in Fargo, but the point is that he's diabolical. This is the man who is the greatest good, which is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and the greatest bad, which is Black Mask. And you gotta have Will Smith there for the comedic relief. How am I doing on time? You're done. So the next okay. story, uh, Disney is developing a live-action Rapunzel, possibly based off of Tangled. Uh, Chris, your time to go. Okay, so Disney... Really, I th- would like to see them do this with Brave or Brother Bear. I'm really kind of indifferent to Rapunzel. I did see it only once. I had a friend in college who cried every time they saw the movie, and it was a guy, which nothing against emotional men. You know, it is what it is. I could see why he cried to the movie, but I would like to see them make a live-action Atlantis, The Lost Empire. And it's a great original idea. It would be great for a live live. live adaptation live action adaptation but the more important part is they have crystals that power everything that crystal can reanimate sonic from a video game into the real world which brings us to the connection into the uh wild Wild west universe into the dc universe to defeat black mask yes i'm bringing it back the point is you point the crystal at your sega or whatever dreamcast and out pops sonic he pulls out a ring you go to interdimensional to go to the wild Wild west universe to bring uh, Will Smith's character to the time. Uh, okay, blast. it's my turn. So, Chris, go ahead. Continue your thoughts. Uh, to the Black Mask universe, and then we see that big, powerful team of Black uh, Black Mask uh, somehow gets that giant controlled spider that destroys villages and towns in the Old West. And here comes Milo, and also a weird hovering uh, fish machine from atlantis and he's in there with his girlfriend who's got glowing hair they're riding with will smith on the back who they're gonna drop onto the spider machine and while sonic is zigging and zagging through the spider legs to distract it and black mask is just there burning all the villages down he's trying he's trying to fight sonic and he does something evil he tells sonic to take off his clothes and dance that is a reference to the movie you need to see birds of prey if you're going to understand that reference while he's being maniacal also uh glad harley quinn is not in this dc extended universe really honestly i harley quinn was actually the weakest part of the movie and i i wish she was as good and i think that's not uh margot robbie's fault i think it's just suicide squad kind of set her up to be eh. time okay some good thoughts chris yeah you know i i i think um i think hollywood should really invest in wild wild west yeah, I think that's a pretty good summation of everything here. Uh, speaking of, Chris, what are you watching? So, I saw Birds of Prey over the weekend. and What? I know. I mentioned it earlier. It was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. Definitely better than any Zack Snyder film. Uh, that's my belief. I think it's a top four DC movie. I think I enjoyed Aquaman a little bit more. Shazam was really good. Wonder Woman was top. And then there, and, you know, Harley Quinn is after all those other three. 
Uh, so I, you know, it was good. Um, and the, but the action sequences is what sold the movie. If it wasn't for those action sequences, this movie would have just been kind of annoying. Uh, and I would have disliked it. But it's still better than anything Zack Snyder's ever did. Even if the action sequences were terrible. Fair enough. So, yeah. Man. I defer to you, sir. Oh, man. So what have I been watching? So I think for the first time, it's not really something that I've been watching, but something that I've been playing. Ooh. Ooh mixing it up. So recently got Pokemon Sword. And uh, a couple days ago, I finished the main story. And I'm going around kind of doing a lot of the side stuff and uh, training and doing a lot of the little things. Um, but I haven't played any kind of Pokemon games since about... 2003 did the math did the time so uh obviously there have been quite a few major upgrades in almost the last what 15 16 17 years um so it was really enjoyable for me i know a lot of people have said that there's not a big difference between like sun and moon and sword and shield um obviously wasn't a factor for me um but it was a really enjoyable game pretty good story uh I like some of the aspects and the new kind of mechanics behind it all and uh really loving my switch so far nice um, yeah what's your favorite pokemon on the team uh so i had um the fire starter and even though i got that uh probably oh my god you say that and now i can't think of the name um oh my god the score bunny no, well, so that was my favorite, I think, until um, uh, I can't even look it up. Des- describe, describe this Pokemon. So basically, what does it look it's like? a water and ground Pokemon that its special ability is that it absorbs any kind of water attack and uh, boosts its its attack. Um, so it, it kind of like negates a fair amount of different kinds of attacks. Pretty resistant. Um, great Dynamax. So overall, I think that's pretty OP kind of Pokemon to be able to do all that, to just absorb blows, not even take any damage. Um, you guys, Does it look like a toad? No, it looks like a big water slug. Uh, I'm Gastrodon? Yes. Wow. Oh, wow. Gas- Gastrodon is from Gen 4, which is my favorite gen. Yeah. No, it's pretty great. Gastr- Gastrodon is a beefy tank. Yes. And I l- love Gastrodon. Ugh. So good. Um, but yeah, so that's what I've been watching and looking forward to some great new movies coming out this month and in March. Mulan coming out in March, March 27th. Yes. I'm excited. Yes, it's going to be real good. One of the few live action movies, remakes at least, of Disney movies that I'm looking forward to. Yes, it does look very promising. Uh, so we will be excited to see that movie. And, uh, but anyways, uh, thank you very much for listening to the Summer Podcast. Uh, we will uh, see you uh, next time. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. So long, everyone.